0: question. Yes. At Christmas of 1989, what do you think you asked Santa for? <laughs> uh, let's see. I would have been like 13. You would have just turned 14. Yeah, just turned 14. Uh, that probably been in the age where I'd started looking at clothes and, you know, wanting Zodiacs and Z-Cabricci and guest jeans and Bass shoes and swatch watches. And- at what point did you start wearing the guest overalls? I remember you had guest overalls. Yeah, I think that's probably about eighth grade. That's embarrassing. It was a good look. It was a, it, it was a good look. It really wasn't. It, <laughs> it 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 may have been in its day. Looking back, it's not. It's not a great look. I don't know. I see them around now. I'm okay, thinking about well, buying a pair now. I would like to see you wear those. Will you wear them to Christmas this year? <laughs> Do they make fat boy sizes? <laughs> I don't know. I don't wear guests, so I don't I just have no idea. <laughs> that's all I need, man. I'm gonna start the episode now. All right, dude. We'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye. From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Bronner. This is Season 1, Episode 40, the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. Today, we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, December second, nineteen 1989. Hello friends, I can't believe it's finally December. That means the rest of the world is finally joining me in what's become for me a year-round celebration of Christmas. Welcome. Come on in. Water is fine. It also means that we're down to the final five episodes of our first season, looking back at 1989. Beginning in January, we'll spend the next ten years looking back at the glorious 90s. Who knows how far we'll actually make it, but I do guarantee we'll make it through 1990, as there are so many of my favorite things coming up over the course of the next calendar year. I hope you'll stick with me and invite all your friends, enemies, acquaintances, strangers, family, and coworkers to the party that is 30 Pop. Today, in celebration of a movie I've been anxiously awaiting discussing since this show started 39 episodes ago, I've decided to do something a little different just for fun. A week or so ago, while celebrating his 39th birthday, I learned that my dear friend and episode one guest, Nick Willard, has never seen the holiday classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which released in theaters 30 years ago this week. I never knew such a person existed, so I took it upon myself to make things right. We got together this week and over a couple of really tasty adult beverages, enjoyed his inaugural viewing of the Chevy Chase film Masterpiece. Possibly his last really great film, in fact. We chatted a bit before the viewing began. Here's the first part of our conversation. <laughs> Nick, welcome back to 30 Pop. Man, it's been a long time since you've been on the show. It has been. Were you only on the first episode? I was only on the first one. Okay, well, it's time. The time has come. Yes. So I came to a little birthday party for you a couple of days ago. Happy birthday. Hey, thanks. So 30 years ago today, you were nine years old, not eight years old. Correct. And I had just turned 10. You're way older than me. Yes, I still am. So I learned at this party... That you have made it 39 years of your life, somehow, without ever having seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. How is that humanly possible? I don't know. It just was never on my radar. You grew Um. up in America. Yeah. You celebrated Christmas as a kid, yeah? Yes, yes. You watched other Christmas movies? Oh, yeah. But you've never seen Christmas Vacation. I've never seen Christmas this Vacation. is fascinating I think, to me. I think it's because my dad just didn't like Chevy Chase and the stuff he was in. Okay, I can understand not liking Chevy Chase. Even though I do like Chevy Chase, I can see like how he could not be somebody's favorite if they had never seen Fletch or Christmas Vacation. I've never seen Fletch either. But You're kidding me. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Have you seen let's okay let's real quick before we get into this let's okay. list a few other Chevy Chase movies. Have you seen Funny Farm? Nope. Have you seen Orange County? No. Oh. There's some great Chevy Chase stuff that you were deprived of as yes. a as a young man. Yeah. Every time we come across a Chevy Chase thing, I may have to have you on so that you can watch it for the first time in your life. I will do my best, and I don't think I'll have to put much effort in to not watch any more Chevy Chase movies until you tell me uh, Is that your dad talking, or is that you? I don't I'll do whatever. Do you have any reason not to like Chevy Chase? No, I don't. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit right now about what you know of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And it's fine if that's very little. And then we're going to watch the movie and then we're going to come back at the end of the episode and finish this up. Okay. So what do you actually know? So you, you clearly have been around yes. Christmas Vacation. What do you know of Christmas Vacation? I know there's some scene with Christmas lights and he puts them together and gets electric. Like it's on the cover of the box, right? Okay. And so I know about that. And I've probably seen that scene. And I know that at some point he's driving home with the Christmas tree on the top of his car. Because but, you've seen the t shirts at Target that yeah, have that? Yeah. Pretty much. Have you seen any of the vacation movies? Because there's certain things that you'll only appreciate if you've seen any of the other ones. I might have seen one about like a senior trip. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. That Just was being it national was, lampoons doesn't make it a vacation movie. I mean, but it was about a vacation. Right. So there's vacation, there's European vacation. That's, they get stuck in the turnstile. There's Christmas Vacation, no, Vegas Vacation. Haven't seen that. One. And then they rebooted Vacation with Ed Helms from The Office fame and Hangover fame as Rusty, his son. Okay. So it's not really a reboot of the series. Like they didn't remake Vacation, they just sort of revived it with his son. So, and that's one of the things that you won't really appreciate having never really watched the other movies is that his kids are played by different actors in every film and they swap ages and like you never know which one's going to be the oldest which they're just a different rusty and whatever his sister's name yeah, that's that. funny are they're different in every in every movie yeah it's great but then mom and dad are the same the griswolds so okay so why don't we do this we're going to go ahead and wrap this little moment up i'm going to return to 30 pop talk about some other pop culture things that were happening and then we're going to come back at the end of the episode to pick up after you have seen for the very first time in your life national lampoon's christmas vacation which turns 30 this week i cannot wait all right thanks nick Mm -hmm. as we make our way through the movie i'll go ahead and start catching you up on some of the other pop culture moments from this week in 1989 In sports, in the continuing epic of Major League Baseball salary records being set and broken, on November 28, 1989, the world champion Oakland A's signed ambidextrous base-stealing left fielder Ricky Henderson to a $3 million contract just six days after Kirby Puckett signed a similar contract, stealing the record from Brett Saberhagen, who'd set it five days earlier with the Kansas City Royals. Then, not to be outdone, three days later, on December 1st, the California Angels signed lefty pitcher Mark Langston to a $3.2 million contract, a record that would finally stand unbroken for more than one week. In college football on December 2nd, 21-year-old Texas native and University of Houston Cougar quarterback Andre Ware was awarded the 55th Heisman Trophy which was entirely unsurprising after his record-setting game, which we discussed a few episodes back against the SMU Mustangs in October of 89, in which he threw for 517 yards and six touchdowns without playing in the second half of the game. He went on the following year to begin his unfortunately underwhelming NFL career with the Detroit Lions and fellow former Heisman winner Barry Sanders. In other news, there was a bit of a changing of the guard happening in TV land with the end of a couple series and the accidental debut of a new one. One of the shows that wouldn't make it into the new decade was the Hanna-Barbera cartoon classic The Smurfs, a series based on a Belgian comic franchise centered on a fictional colony of small, blue, human-like creatures who live in mushroom-shaped houses in the forest. There had to be hallucinogens involved. The series debuted in 1981 and released a total of 256 episodes with a total of 418 stories, as well as three cliffhanger episodes and seven TV specials spanning nine seasons, none of which I really cared about. Also ending this week in 1989 was the far less successful, for good reason, daily live-action and cartoon hybrid series, The Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which debuted just a few months earlier in September. I remember wanting so desperately for this show to not completely suck, but being disappointed every single day. It was just so stupid. So it was no surprise that it didn't make it past its first season. What was surprising, though, was how many episodes they released in the 89 days between its premiere and finale. 52 ridiculous episodes. Seems like the kind of obscure fact that might come in handy at, say, a pop culture trivia night. Perhaps like the one I'll be hosting on December 17th at Cafeza in Houston. Hmm. A new series also debuted 30 years ago this past week. Sort of. One that's still running today. Originally intended as a one-off, one-hour TV special, America's Funniest Home Videos premiered on ABC on November 26, 1989 to rave reviews. After its unexpected success, ABC decided to make a series of the show, which would actually premiere in January of 1990. Both the special and the first eight seasons of the series were hosted by actor, comedian, and full house father Bob Saget. There have been a number of hosts since Saget left the show, but today it's hosted by actor and serial game show host Alfonso Ribeiro. Most famous for his role is Carlton Banks in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which would also premiere in 1990. Have I mentioned how excited I am for next year on 30 Pop? Anyway... Back to Nick's first viewing of Christmas Vacation. About halfway through the movie, we decided to hit pause and check in on how his hopeful newfound fandom was taking shape. So here's part two of our conversation. Okay, so Nick, we decided to take a break halfway through the movie just to sort of see how things are going. You're halfway through maybe your first Chevy Chase movie of all time. Yeah. At least your first vacation movie, your first time viewing Christmas Vacation. What do you think so far? I think it's good. I'm waiting for the punchline. I keep waiting for – at this point, I'm watching to see if it gets better, if that makes sense. I mean, I'm just going to say, like, you've laughed a lot. I have. It's funny. I don't know. (laughs) That's all you got It's a painful sort of funny. Painful in what way? Like, Chevy Chase just does a great job. And I think this is just who his characters are. But it's a, you're watching, and it's just painful to watch him struggle through anything. (laughs) Because he's kind of the best and kind of the worst. At the same time. Yeah. So one of the things, one of the comments I made to you was just that this is sort of his character in all of the Vacation movies up to this point and beyond is that he's sort of equal parts like All-American Family Man and All-American Sleazeball. Like yep. he's, a, he's a womanizing. I don't know that he's womanizing. To be a womanizer, I think you'd have to have some sort of success in it. Yeah. Um, He's just kind of a pervy little twerp. Yes, that'd be more of the, yes. A a, a womanizer would be like more conquering. Yeah. Like maybe not even pervy. He's just like, he's just a little sleazy. He's a little slimy. (laughs) On the night of my birthday party, I think you said that he reminds you of me. You remind me of Clark Griswold for sure. So. But not in the slimy ways. In the like. Really silly, ridiculous, dad humory kind of way. Okay, I'll buy that. I buy (laughs) (laughs) and I mean that is the highest form of compliment. All right. So so far, I'm loving it. I prefer Home Alone. Of course. We're not comparing. This isn't about comparison. comparison. I mean, I prefer Home Alone to ninety nine percent of the movies that exist in the world. So that's not the conversation we're having. (laughs) Okay, so we're at the point in the movie where he just meets up with his brother. Ran- Randy Quaid Randy- just arrived. <laughs> Cousin Eddie, yes, Cousin Eddie, who classic is- character. Yes, I guess he is. You don't know because you don't pay attention to like the vacation movies. Yes. But like they've done a sequel to this that's Cousin Eddie's Vacation, whatever. And so, <laughs> Jeez. and no one's ever seen it. But I mean, it, it, Randy Quaid, terrible. His character is a terrible person. Yes, but it's a, an amazing character. <laughs> I wish I could land that character. It'd be fun to play. Yeah, just I a bet complete, it would. I like, bet just, it would, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so far I'm enjoying it. Favorite moment so far? Oh, jeez. A lot of the things I'm seeing, I'm predicting before they happen. Sure. And my thought is, am I predicting it because it's predictable writing, or was it the trendsetter and so many things have stemmed from it? For example? For example, when he trekked seven miles through the snow to chop down the tree. I said to you, you you left his hatchet. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me, that just makes sense. They set this long thing up, but I don't know if that's because that is the... Probably not. I think it's not terribly sophisticated humor. (laughs) I mean, it's a little predictable. It's a little punny. It's a little on the nose. Some of the stuff that you've pointed out is certainly... I mean, I think the whole like it's nipply outside, I think (laughs) that started here. I don't think that's, you know, a thing that they just picked up, but... Because I know I told that joke in fifth grade, <laughs> which we've been a couple which years. Been ninety-one, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. nineteen ninety-one. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go back. We're forty-five minutes in. We've got about fifty minutes left. We're going to go finish the movie, and we'll check in one more time at the end of the show to hear your final thoughts. I'm excited. All right. Thanks, Mick. It took a few weeks for Christmas Vacation to really take off at the box office. During its opening weekend, though, the number one film was once again Robert Zemeckis' Back to the Future 2, which we discussed on last week's episode of 30 Pop. The number one album on the Billboard charts this week in 1989 was for the second consecutive week, Milli Vanilli's Girl You Know It's True. And they also had the number one single yet again with their smash hit Blame It on the Rain. A couple of notable-ish album releases from this week, though were the November 27th release from British reggae pop band UB-40, a covers album entitled Labor of Love 2, which featured their versions of Al Green's Here I Am and The Temptations, The Way You Do the Things You Do, which went on to sell nearly 3 million copies worldwide. Also released on November 27th was the debut studio album from Belgian dance act Technotronic, Pump Up the Jam, which sold just under 2 million copies off the success of its lead single and title track, which just so you know, has some variation of the word pump or pumpin' 78 times, in it's 5 minutes and 20 seconds. Seems like more obscure trivia that might come in handy down the road. Who knows? Speaking of trivia night, real quick, before we get back to Christmas vacation, let me just say, our December trivia night is going to be one for the books. We had a few of our past winners come out to our November trivia night, and the competition was as fierce as the vibe was fun. Seriously. Although in the end, all those past winners lost to a new team, husband and wife duo closer to fine. It was an absolute blast, and December is going to be even better. We'll get to look back at the entire decade one last time, and do so with all kinds of little holiday twists mixed in. If you're in or near Houston, seriously, get a team together and come on out. It's free to play and just so much fun. Alright, last time I'll mention it in this episode. Now let's wrap up our Christmas vacation fun. Here's part three of my conversation with Nick. This part, after we finish the movie. All right, so you made it. You have now made it through your first viewing of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. What are you feeling right now? It was good. Is Uh, it going to be part of your holiday tradition moving forward? (sighs) It's, okay, trust me on this. When I tell you, it's one of those movies that I can see. The more I watch it, and if I watch it with other people yes, who have seen it, yes. I, I can see that being an enjoyable. experience. When it becomes a part d- of like what you're quoting, and like yes. it's just part of your language. Yes, and the fact that you are sort of Clark Griswoldy.
1: That's Minus not, the sleep bag So,
0: I mean, it is very personal, right? I don't mean the slimy part. I just mean I mean the family man side of him. Okay, and the kind of goofy, kind of whatever, you know. That's definitely you. So, and, you know, you have a particular style of exterior lighting and decoration <laughs> at your house that I think would be fun to talk about on the show. That'd be great. So you and I have had a little competition in the last few yes. years that sort of sprung up out of nowhere Yeah, where you I came home at one evening and you had put in my yard the tackiest of all Christmas it was, inflatables. It was not tacky. It was beautiful and wonderful. It's an alligator band singing Christmas songs with it wasn't like Christmas Cajun songs. style. It wasn't it was all dueling banjos. Okay, yeah. yeah. It was great. That's great. It had so, nothing to do with Christmas except for probably what they were wearing. And it so was beautiful. The Be- following Christmas, hmm? we were getting together actually around the time of our birthdays uh-huh. to celebrate the two of our birthdays. And I was late to dinner because I was planting in your yard. A Christmas nativity in the middle it's of so November. Weird because I was late as well, because <laughs> I was planting the to gingerbread, ninja bread, ninja bread, ninja bread man. Yes, your yard. fighting gingerbread men. So we both got home from our dinner together, <laughs> <laughs> and found these insane Christmas inflatables, and yours. You, frankly, you won. Uh, you, yours was beautiful. way better. It was than mine. Year. And so the following year, I wanted to throw you off. Uh huh. And make you think that I was not good at, at this yeah. game, and so it's I put in your yard a early, pink, very pink early, pig tiny little pink inflatable pig, candy canes stuck. in The candy two. canes were were year one. Those were with the the nativity. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I Candy cane to your yard okay. with the nativity. So year three, year two for me, year three for you. I put this, you know, small inflatable pig just to say like, hey, you know, I'm paying attention. And I was like, hey, good try. Yeah, and so I came home one evening, and you had put a bowling penguin at my front door with some bowling pins at the front door. That was great. Thinking that I had given you all that I was going to give you. But when I bought the pig, I also bought a 15-foot-tall Halloween vampire. It says, Halloween fun this way or something like that. (laughs) And and it is literally 15 feet tall. And I put that in your yard in and mid-December, I and I ended the war there. You did. Because you shared our sacred ritual with someone else, and I, I didn't appreciate that. I understand your argument, but it, it wasn't about that. It was about— Well, it was sacred. This particular family is about penguins you, and when they— You So we took a couple years off. Yes. And then this year— It was beautiful. To show you that I love you and that all is forgiven. <laughs> In the middle of October, I put a little tiny gingerbread man back in your yard. And it's been up ever since. And it has, and I'm so proud of you for that. <laughs> and and on Saturday, we put up the Halloween one. In mid-November, for your birthday, you put the vampire back up in your yard, which Katie I Katie is probably taking it down today. That's fine. That's fine. Because I'm probably not done for the year. So <laughs> oh, So I say that to say, that is sort of your Clark Griswold thing. I'm sure that your neighbors have to wonder... <laughs> What what the deal is with your decorations. So, when you pulled up, when I pulled up and saw the gingerbread man that was in my yard, I was like, awesome. And my four year old daughter named it that day. I don't remember what she named it, but it was beautiful. I know she wanted to hug him, right? Oh, absolutely. Straight off the bat, she went to hug him. But the neighbor has a 16, 18 month year old boy and he loves it as well. So, it has been up. Nice. I haven't received any HOA letters, but I'm sure (laughs) that I should have. But if, <laughs> for the record, I bought that thing in August and intended to put it in your yard in August. Oh, that would have been awesome. And just couldn't ever find the time to do it. And so I had to get it done before Halloween. But it was great. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So back to the Griswolds. Okay. Final thoughts on Christmas vacation? It was great. Do you understand why people love this movie? Yeah. I can understand, though, my dad's argument as well. So during the movie, so we talked to earlier and he said basically he just didn't find it funny and it didn't invoke the Christmas spirit. I can see where he's coming from. However, I think it I think it was Christmas spirit. It was all about family and and eventually the good guy wins. Hundred percent has the Christmas the the moment. <laughs> so I listened to another podcast, a Christmas podcast from other people like me who love to celebrate Christmas year round. And the standard by which they try to measure things, even though I don't totally agree with it, they call it the Linus test. And that is does it have a moment in the movie mm-hmm. where you get to see what Christmas is all about? Mm-hmm. And I think this movie absolutely passes the Linus test. What was that moment for you? I think it's the ending. It's the everyone's in the living room. They're celebrating. They're happy about how Christmas turned out. You have his boss whose heart grows two sizes, essentially, I mean, to take Grinch terminology. sure. And, you know, he changes, his heart changes towards his employees. And so I think that's sort of the Linus moment of this movie. Again, I don't totally buy into the Linus test because they say that Die Hard doesn't have it. I say Die Hard is a Christmas movie, so whatever. Hmm. That's irrelevant for this conversation. But for me, this absolutely captures the spirit of Christmas. Sure. I understand both sides of the argument. I understand my dad's... There's no argument. There, Your dad's a Grinch. That that might be true. Okay. Then we're done but here. He, That's done. We, we solved it. But he Nick, was, hey, Merry Christmas to you <laughs> and to yours. He was a fan and of White Christmas, which... How could you not be? Yeah. Thank you so much for participating in this episode of 30 Pop. Many more to come. Of course. And for loving, as I do, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which just turned 30 years old. Nick, we'll see you again. Huge thanks to Nick for being back on the show. We'll have him on again in just a couple weeks to look back at the premiere of another still-running trivia-rich TV series that debuted in December of 89, The Simpsons. Huge thanks also to each of you who partner with me in the work of storytelling over on Patreon as I try to get this company, Mill Media Group, off the ground. I legitimately couldn't do it without your help. For those of you who aren't partnering with me on Patreon, thanks also as always to you for subscribing listening, rating, reviewing, and sharing this show. I couldn't do it without you either. I'll be back in a week with more pop culture nostalgia, but as for now, geez, look at the time. I gotta get to bed, brush my teeth, feed the hog, still got some homework to do, do the laundry, wash the car... 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Milieu Media Group, visit millyoumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.